everyone. This is Margie Chuang, and welcome to Moms Who Build, a podcast about moms who build things that bring them joy. I learn about what inspires moms to start their own journeys, what keeps them motivated, and what it's really like to build things while being a parent. This episode features Rena Vacone, founder and CEO of Passion Fit, Rena's lifelong passion for health, wellness, and fitness, and her desire to help others is what led Rena to follow her heart, make a bold move, and leave corporate America and her amazing job at Google to become an entrepreneur and start Passion Fit. Rena has 18 years of experience working the digital media industry in sales, marketing, and business development roles for companies such as Google, Reebok, Yahoo, and more. She has a BBA in marketing and management from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and an MS in advertising and communications from Boston University. Rena has over 10 years of experience as a fitness and dance instructor. And fun fact, Rena was a U.S. silver medalist in the ESPN Fitness Championships. Rena is also a proud mom of two boys and is happily married to her husband. She is the youngest of four siblings, daughter of immigrant parents, and a first-generation-born Indian-American who grew up in the Midwest, has lived on the East and West Coast, and is a Californian at heart. To learn more about Rena, visit passionfit.com or search Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for Passion Fit LLC. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Rena McCone. Rena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Margie. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here too. I'm really honored and grateful to have you on the show. We met a few years ago through a mutual friend. And since then, I've watched you continue to grow and expand your company, Passion Fit while also navigating parenthood and helping your clients and the people around you be the best that they can be through health, wellness, and fitness. So thank you for being here. We have a lot to chat about today, um, which I'm really excited about. But first, we're recording this episode two days after Super Bowl 54 aired, and over 100 million people tuned in to watch the halftime show, which was co-headlined by Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. And you shared your thoughts on their performance, um, saying that they've each redefined what it means to be successful and fulfilled as women, mothers, and professionals at any age or stage in life. I love that they continue to evolve and grow and empower themselves and others to be limitless and powerful in their own authentic ways. Can you elaborate a little bit more on those two thoughts um, and if it echoes or relates to your mission for Passion Fit? Yeah, um, I've always been so inspired by Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. And I think in that statement, what I really meant is the fact that, you know, Jennifer Lopez or JLo, as she's um, (laughs) well regarded as, is 50 years old and Shakira is 43. And to see these women just stepping into themselves and their own power and being able to inspire others and do what they love. And they are mothers. They're very hands-on mothers. And they've been through their ups and downs, both personally and professionally over the course of their career and their life. And I just really admire and respect them for what they're doing. And I think that they just a great testament that women at any stage or age in life can potentially reinvent themselves. They can, you know, become a better version of themselves. And that just really inspired me. And it absolutely ties into the Passion Fit mission. Uh, My mission is to empower women to flourish both personally and professionally through wellness. And, you know, in many ways, I reinvented myself 
myself in starting this company. I mean, I had an 18-year corporate career working in digital media and advertising in the tech industry and other industries, and to now be running a health and wellness company, it's very different. But at the same time, I'm using a lot of the skills that I've gained over the years, but it was a very big step for me, and I you know, just want to encourage other women and mothers to be able to not be afraid to do something that really inspires them or motivates them because it's never too late no matter what stage in life you're at even if you're a busy mom and you're yearning for something more for yourself you can do that and i want to inspire women to do that as well yeah i love what you said about that you can start at any time and you've had a long career like you said in the corporate world 18 years it's a big chunk of time for you wanting to empower women in that way was that something that as you built passion fit became your mission or did you have an inkling when you started passion that's what you wanted to do yeah so when i started passion fit that was always part of the the mission and the vision you know i've had this sisterhood throughout my life with my own sister with my sister-in-laws all of my girlfriends that i've had through cheerleading and dance team and being in a sorority in college and even afterward there's always been this the strength that comes from your female friendships and I think at the time that I was looking to leave my corporate career and start passion fit a lot of it was coming from being a, a woman being a mother feeling overwhelmed feeling burnt out and feeling like in many ways guilty as a mom like am I doing the right thing both by my kids and in my career and it was those female friendships um, that I had at work and female friendships that I've had for years. So some of my more recent friendships and those that have been with me throughout my life that really gave me the courage and the strength in addition to my family and my husband, of course, but they could understand me and what I was going through in a way that not everybody could. And so I felt strength from that. I felt love and support. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to go do this, especially with my passion for health and wellness, the people that I want to inspire and help the most are women. And especially not necessarily just women who are mothers, but in many Anyways, yes, women who are mothers, because at that time, that was one of the biggest things that I was dealing with. And so that was always part of the mission. And now five and a half years later, I just get goosebumps when I think <laughs> about, you know, the community um, that I've created with Passion Fit. You know, there's actually over 200 women over the last five and a half years that they take the classes, they've come to my retreats, they buy the activewear and all these different things, which I know we'll talk about later, but it's this amazing community of women that keeps growing every single day. And I learn from them as much as they learn from me. And I just want to keep building on this and keep growing. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, um, I can relate because I am a mom as well to this time in my life, having this sisterhood that you're talking about and just, you know, there are really hard days. There are really great days, but it changes. Mm -hmm. You wrote an article called when you're a working mom, change is only constant. We'll talk about it a little bit later as well, but even when you start to feel like, or think that you figured it all out, (laughs) something (laughs) changes and to have those friendships and to have that support no matter what you're going through is really helpful and I actually did want to talk about these retreats that you hold and could you tell us a little bit more about um, what happens in during your retreats and I imagine that it's um, it includes a number of women the women who attend your passion fit classes your clients who you have coached in wellness and mindfulness um, as well as probably new new women who just like you said, are just trying to uh, get that support and have a community of their own to someone to listen to them and, and chat about it, their life. 
So yeah, the retreats are something that I knew that women needed and which each one that I've done so far, I feel that from them, that they just need that time for themselves where they don't have to think about being a professional, a mom, a wife, or any other role. And it's a time for them to just take a step back and reflect. So, so far my retreats have been all day retreats because a lot of the women are moms and they have young kids. And so it's tough to get away overnight, but the daytime retreats that happen, you know, that'll be on a Saturday, it'll be an all day um, event and we'll do a lot of different things. We'll start off with a good sweat session. So we'll do an hour long fitness class followed by usually a 30 minute guided meditation where um, I'm able to work with everybody to just center themselves and feel a sense of relaxation, a chance to kind of block out the noise of what's happening in the outside world and have them just turn inward. So that's a really nice opportunity for the women to just, you know, have that time for themselves. Then we usually go into a lunch where it's all healthy, nutritious food. We talk about nutrition and how that can really help how you feel and function as a mom and as a woman um, and in your life. And then we um, usually go outdoors and do a nice hike because I think getting out in nature is something that's really great for a chance to reflect, a chance to bond and connect with one another, and again, continue that practice of mindfulness. We'll then usually do a workshop and we'll pick different topics. Um, the most recent one we did was self-love versus self-care, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit. And, you know, it's not only me educating the group, but then it's the group, you know, then I start to facilitate a discussion and everybody has a chance to express their thoughts and their feelings and kind of what's happening for them in their life. And you know, they're really able to kind of be vulnerable and be emotional if they need to. And they have the support, you know, the passion fit community. One of the things that I really feel strongly about is that it's supportive, it's non-judgmental, and it's just filled with love for everybody that's a part of it. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're going through, it's a place that you can go to really get that support. And so in the retreats, there's definitely a lot of that support that's happening in those discussions. And then after that, we get to go to the spa and go get massages and sit in the jacuzzi and just relax and really let these women feel rewarded for just being who they are and all the amazing stuff that they do in their life. If they're ever feeling underappreciated, this is a chance where I want them to feel appreciated because they're strong, powerful, amazing, beautiful women and they have to take that time for themselves to realize it. I absolutely love that and really want to go to retreat now. Um, <laughs> that's just wonderful to have that, to be able to be in a safe space and and realize that everyone is going through something. Mm -hmm. And I also enjoy the fact that you do a spa time after that, because <laughs> while it's great to share and be vulnerable, it's, uh, you know, it's cathartic. You've gotten all the tears out. It's, you know, <laughs> it gets a little tiring. <laughs> so I actually have circling back to self-love and self-care. I prepared for our talk today and I have notes, but I actually left the self-love and the self-care spot completely blank. Um, mm -hmm. I have an idea of what self-care is. Mm -hmm. I actually don't really know what self-love is. And I, I would really appreciate hearing and learning about that from you. Um, and, and I'll take notes and I'll add these <laughs> into our, <laughs> our show notes as well. But I guess we can start off and you feel free to move things around. But maybe if we can define what self-love is and then define what self-care is. Yeah, there, yeah, absolutely. And so I blogged about this topic last year. And so we'll start with self-care and then we'll get into self-love. And the reason I want to start with self-care is because it's a big buzzword that we're often hearing in the wellness space these days. And self-care can be anything that you need to kind of step away from your day-to-day -day life 
life and do something good for yourself. So I consider it to be like an activity such as getting a massage or reading a good book or, you know, having a cup of coffee or exercising or something like that. Those are good things to do in your life. But again, they're activities and things that you do to sort of practice it. But if, you know, you don't have a deep unconditional sense of self-love, you may not always take the time to practice self-care. I think often for those of us who are moms, you know, we're so busy putting our family first and our kids first, and we're so busy giving them so much love and care. And oftentimes we fail to give that back to ourselves. Again, it's not just the activity of taking a break to go get a massage, but if you truly feel that you deserve that because you love yourself, you have that deep sense of self-love, you're probably more likely to prioritize it more often. And it's easier said than done. I come from a long line of, I'm first generation born Indian American, and I watched my mother, my grandmothers, you know, always taking care of the family. It's almost like that's just what you do. It's a badge of honor to care for others. Um, but then what ends up happening is that you put yourself last. And I have done that throughout my life, especially as a mother. I would say more so as a mother. I was really good in my 20s, right? When I didn't have a family and a husband and I could do all these things and I could take the time to reflect on myself. But when you don't have as much time, you kind of stop doing that. I think we can often be our worst critics, myself included, and we don't even realize that we're not loving ourselves. And so that is something that I think women need to, whether it's through journaling, whether it's through talking to loved ones, whether it's through mindfulness practices, to be able to dig deep in yourself and truly accept yourself, be empathetic with yourself, and whether you're succeeding or failing or anything in between, it's okay. And I think when you have that deep sense of love, which again, for some people, it could take years, right? We have different personalities, different life experiences, family dynamics that can impact that. But if you can really work on that, then the self-care is just going to be a celebration of your self-love. And you're going to be more likely to prioritize it when you know you need it most because you love yourself that speaks to me in a very profound way. I would say that I am of the, it takes years <laughs> uh, person uh, only because I'm a natural giver and it's, um, mm -hmm. it's only recently that I'm trying to figure out, I guess, based on what you mentioned as self-love, how to be empathetic toward myself and and uh, show myself some of that compassion. And mm -hmm. so for those who are like me and who, <laughs> who have kind of trouble, like I, I can't even accept compliments. Like it makes me really uncomfortable. Even when someone says like, thank you for, for anything, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I just want to give. Mm -hmm. And so do you have any tips for someone who uh, it's a little bit harder to love yourself? What uh -huh. should be like the first maybe steps? And you mentioned journaling, um, which which I started doing um, yeah. in the mornings. And that's been really helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 And you know, Margie, I've, it happens to me as well. And I've had that throughout my life also, so I can empathize with you. Um, but one of the things that I've just realized is that we can't be our best for others and be the givers that we want to be unless we can give to ourselves first. And so I recommend, yes, the journaling and the mindfulness and even the positive self-talk, just kind of letting yourself know that you are worthy, you are special, you are unique, and you are deserving of those compliments. And it's okay to accept them and believe them because they're true. But I think it has to start from within 
I think another thing that's hard is, you know, I was definitely raised by my parents to be very humble and to always be thinking about others. And I really love those values. And I wholeheartedly try to practice them every day where my husband and I are trying to raise our kids with them. But just because you're humble and giving doesn't mean that you can't still love yourself. It doesn't have to be something that's, you know, you're boasting out to the world. It's actually a very personal, private, quiet thing that you have within yourself. It's that inner confidence, that inner gratitude, that deep sense of, you know what, I'm happy with who I am. And yes, I might have areas that I want to improve on. And yes, I want to grow and learn, but that's life. And that's something to be celebrated that you are going to keep growing and evolving as a person. But who you are today and who you are now is every bit as lovely. And I think women especially have a hard time with that. Yeah. And again, I have as well. And I still do. You know, I, I'm my biggest critic. I am a recovering perfectionist <laughs> and it's hard. But whatever I learn and start to practice within myself, I always want to share and help other women to do the same. Going back to passion fit. So you have done a couple of interviews and written in articles about how much you loved your career and your job at Google. Mm-hmm. Was there something that gave you that kind of spark to uh, leave a job you loved uh, so much? And I'm sure it was also like a bittersweet feeling as well, because it's also something you've known mm-hmm. for a number of years, something you're comfortable with and kind of taking that leap away from that comfort zone. Yeah. So I think for me at the time that I was thinking about starting Passion Fit, um, it was an interesting time, but those that know me well would know that what I'm doing now is actually not that surprising <laughs> because I've always been into health and wellness um, for as long as I can remember. So I started dancing at the age of seven um, with ballet, and then I was into cheerleading and dance team in high school, as I mentioned earlier, and I became a fitness instructor in college and was all always interested in being active, being healthy, motivating people, inspiring people. But at the same time, kind of ingrained into my head with two immigrant parents, very hardworking immigrant parents to get a degree and build a career and get a job in something that's very practical. And so I've always been a very creative person. And so I thought, okay, well, marketing and, you know, and advertising is an area that I think I could be interested in. And that's what I studied in college and graduate school and um, did work in the corporate space for many years. And I did love it. And working for a company like Google, I mean, Google to this day, I will say is hands down the best company that I've ever worked for. And I was fulfilled in my career. I enjoyed it. It was exciting. It really played to a lot of my strengths in terms of speaking, working with clients, building relationships, solving problems, um, using my business knowledge and acumen. So it was great. I got to travel, you know, but what was hard, I think, was after we had kids. My husband at the time that I was at Google, he actually came over to Google two years later. And our kids were in the Google Children's Center. So in many ways, it was the perfect setup because we lived and worked three miles apart from each other. Our kids were in the same Google Children's Center school. We were both working there. But Google is a wonderful place, but it is a a very stressful place in many cases because you are working amongst the best of the best in the world. And there are, you know, very large goals and, you know, huge revenue targets you have to hit. And every quarter, like for me, I worked in sales and business development in the advertising and media space. And there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, And deadlines, I'm sure. deadlines and travel and all these different things. And when your husband also has his own demanding career at the same time, 
And at the time that I was thinking about this, it was after our younger son was born. So, you know, we had a baby and a toddler at this point. And we were both, my husband and I were running ourselves into the ground. Um, He actually started working on a project that was extremely time consuming where he was literally working a hundred hour work weeks, not kidding, like literally a hundred hours. And he was traveling 70% of the time. Um, I myself was traveling about 25% of the time. So we had to be very diligent about our schedules and our calendars, making sure one of us was home and on the ground with our kids. And um, it just got to be a, a point where it was just so hard for both of us and it was very hard on me when he was away most of the time because then I'm basically solo working taking care of the kids and doing all these different things and yeah it was a hard yeah and you know we were both starting to not sleep well we were getting you know stress with anxiety um, health issues were starting to develop for each of us and you know I kind of in my mind was like we're on this like hamster wheel and we got to get off like this is not good for the kids it's not good for us you know what are we going to do and what's interesting is as much as I've always valued health and wellness during this really stressful time it started to go out the window because I didn't have the time I didn't have as much time to exercise I didn't have as much time to eat well I didn't sleep well I was always stressed out and I think the heart of it all was I felt that mom's guilt because my mom stayed home with us our whole childhood. My dad had the corporate career. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of me always knew that I wanted both. I wanted the career that my dad had, but I wanted to be the, and my dad is amazing as well as a parent, but I also wanted to be as a woman and as a mother, I wanted to emulate my mother. And I felt like I wasn't living up to that on either side. And, um, you know, was feeling like I was failing and it was just a really hard time. And I used to think about, gosh, you know, I've always had this love for health and wellness. What if? What if I do something on my own? What if I try to work for someone else part-time? I mean, all these ideas went through my head. And what I finally came to realize is, you know what, the only way that I'm going to be able to do this in a way that works for me and for my family is to figure it out and do it myself. So the idea of Passion Fit came to me back in 2012. I remember lying in bed one night and just feeling frustrated and hopeless and burnt out and exhausted. And this was almost like my little escape. It was this dream of starting something and creating a better life for my family in a way that I felt good about. But again, all the pressure of, but you've built this career and you've worked for this company and you're doing well. And you know, I think my parents were so proud of me and I didn't want to let them down. And so it took me two years to get the guts to leave. And, um, and it wasn't easy. Honestly, the day that I left all of my working mom friends, um, who I still keep in touch with today, we cried and they walked me out. I remember turning in my laptop and (laughs) (laughs) just being so scared out of my mind, but yet at the same time excited because, I started blogging um, when I was still at Google just as a fun project on the side. You know, I recorded with a video production team my first set of videos for my YouTube channel. And I was excited too. And, you know, and I thought, you know what, as much as I'm scared to do this, if I don't do this now, I may never do this. And I would rather take this risk now. And even if I fail, at least I tried, then never do it and wake up in 20 years and have tons of regret. And everybody that I worked with, my bosses, my management team, they were so supportive of me. 
Again, everybody knew what my passion was because (laughs) that's just who I am. And so when I told people what I wanted to do, they're like, of course, that's what you're going to do. Like (laughs) I wouldn't. And people that have known me for all these years as Rena, the fitness instructor, as a 18 year old freshman in college, like, of course, that's what you are going to do. Not that I was just leaving to be a fitness instructor, but to do, you know, a lot of other things around wellness. How did that conversation go with your Google team? I mean, actually, I'm going to take a few steps back because I imagine before you even went in to talk to your team, (laughs) you had the mini discussions at home with your husband and maybe Mm -hmm. with your, so how old are your kids at this time that you're at this time when I was contemplating leaving, they were three and six. What did that conversation look like at home? If you're comfortable sharing that, did you uh, make a pro and con list? Did you say like, these are our priorities. And if I leave Google and I start passion fit, Mm -hmm. uh, will this still align with our home priorities. Yeah, we had very candid conversations about it. You know, I had been talking about it for those two years leading (laughs) up to it. So it was no surprise to my husband at all. And I think he also knew that something needed to change because he and I were just so burnt out and also realized like, okay, we can't just keep staying on this hamster wheel. So I had saved a lot of my bonuses and, you know, was kind of financially preparing for it. I always joke that um, my dad said, I need you to put together a three to five year business plan before (laughs) you're allowed (laughs) to walk away from Google. I want to know what your plan is. And so I worked on that. And, you know, when I started the blog and I started the YouTube channel, I think everybody saw like, okay, these are the beginnings of something. We don't quite know where she's going to go with it. But boy, is she really (laughs) happy when she's making these videos. I was, and just starting to produce content. And I think at that time, another important part of the story is that my grandfather, who is my maternal grandfather, so my mom's father, he, 20 years before I ever did this, and I get emotional just talking about it, had always said that he would see me doing something with the upliftment of human life and, you know, could see me having a second career someday. He himself pursued a second career in his life, and he was probably the one of anybody in my family that saw that in me and encouraged that in me when I first started my career. And he died on my birthday, um, the year that I left left Google yeah. and was starting PassionFit. And so to this day, everything that I do, I think of him and a lot of it is in his honor. And I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I feel like owe it to him and I owe it to myself to live up to what he knew I could do. And, you know, it drives me every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that um, sure. and for your vulnerability and that he would be so proud of, have always been and what you're continuing to build and because passion fit just has so many elements to that, uh, you know, we, we've only, I feel like touched upon a few things. Okay. So then you have many conversations with your husband <laughs> for two years, yeah. your, you know, your friends, your, your family um, is supportive. Mm-hmm. You made this three to five year plan and it may, it makes me <laughs> laugh because no matter how old you are, your child is still your child. So of course yes. your dad was like, I need <laughs> you to put together a PowerPoint. That's and right. I, <laughs> Let's uh, fast forward to now you're at Google and you're like, I'm going to have this conversation with my team. What was going through your head at that time? Or, you know, how did that conversation uh, go? And, and were you pretty candid with them about this is what I've been wanting to do? 
for the past yeah, year. Yeah, I was very candid. I was very open. And what's nice is that I always had been throughout my time at Google with my management team. Google is a really great culture and that they encourage very honest and open career conversations with your managers. I think I just told them, you know, there were two different sides to it, right? The one side was the family and needing more flexibility for my children, knowing that, you know, my husband had such a crazy busy career as well. I wanted to have more time with my kids. And that was not something that was new to anybody because everybody knew how much my kids and my family meant to me. And then the second part of it was this dream that I've always had. This is nothing new, but I'm finally gaining the courage to do it. And maybe it's my kids, it's burnout that we experienced, it's losing my grandfather and all these things that were happening at that time that finally gave me that courage to do it. But I was just very open and honest and very vulnerable about it. And you know, my team got emotional. I got emotional, you know, in the beginning, talk me into staying, like, what can we do to keep you here? But at the same time, I think the last things that were said to me, which I still hold on to is you can, you know, go do this, go see what you can do with this. You can always come back. And knowing that I had that sort of blessing and that, yes, I could always come back if, you know, I decided that this was not the right path and I want to come back, you know, having that sense of comfort was really helpful. That's wonderful that they were so supportive um, and that they knew this is this was your <laughs> this is what you wanted to do and just even letting you know that I think was very valuable to you and yeah. and I mean like you said you're still holding on to this day and I'm sure that gives you more momentum to keep going and also giving that to others yeah, um, absolutely and I wanted to actually if we could circle back to burnout. And you mentioned kind of your personal experience with burnout and your husband's personal experience. Those who may not know exactly what that is, could you talk about what burnout is? Yeah, I think burnout is when you, you know, are driving yourself into the ground, whether that's with work, whether that's with school, whether that's with, you know, different things that you're doing in your life where you're not able to take care of yourself, you're not able to take breaks, and you're just constantly working, working, doing, doing. And I think, you know, living and working and raising a family in Silicon Valley, um, you know, we've talked about this before, it's hard. It's a, a gift, but also a challenge at the same time, because you are amongst some of the best and brightest in the world. And the culture here is to, you know, we're in the innovation capital of the world, right? So it's yeah. to produce and to create. And, and that's wonderful. And, you know, it's great for kids to grow up in this type of environment of innovation and creation. But at the same time, we can't, you know, drive ourselves into the ground because stress is, you know, one of the basic causes of 60% of all human illnesses and diseases, actually, according to the um, American Medical Association. And that can then lead to other problems, whether that be heart disease or diabetes or cancer and so many other ailments. And I've watched that happen. I've watched people develop illnesses because of stress. You know, my husband and I, you know, we started to have health issues because of stress. I remember growing up, my father working so hard as an immigrant and trying to build a life for our family. I watched his stress as a child and how hard that was, but yet he worked so hard and, you know, it was hard to watch him working so hard, but then, you know, getting sick because of it sometimes. And so it's something that I just, I really personally want 
to do something about. So in all the work that I'm doing with Passion Fit, a lot of it is focused on on women and working moms and empowering them. Um, but I also look at those women as a whole person. So my focus is also on their spouses and their children mm-hmm. and their organizations that they're working in. So corporate wellness is something that's very important to the work I do with Passion Fit and very near and dear to my heart because I saw and can see what it can do to people. I experienced it myself, right, with that burnout. And so that's also part of my mission is to go out and work with companies and nonprofits and universities and schools and the media to help educate people on you know, work-life balance, there's never going to be a perfect balance. We all know that. And that's not necessarily what we're after. But understanding how you can have your personal and your professional life coexist in a way that's healthy for you and your families and your employers. And that's something that I want to make change and really help with that education, with the tools and a lot of the products and services that I've built for PassionFit and will continue to build are also for larger organizations as well. Um, and we'll include those in the show notes as well, links to um, these resources that you, you can point people. And so for people, you know, going through kind of that corporate journey right now, what signals would help them know that they are going through or possibly going through burnout at the time? Yeah. As you said, that there's uh, physical responses Symptoms. from your body. Yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, the mental yeah. responses as well. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the biggest early signs are when you are lacking sleep, right? And not only because you're working so late and going to bed late, but a lot of times you wake up in the middle of the night because your mind is racing because of stress. You know, it happened to me and it still happens to me if I'm not careful, right? If I'm trying to do too much and not taking time out to care for myself. Um, So sleep is a big one. I think just feeling mental exhaustion is another one, feeling a lack of motivation, like, gosh, I just, I can't get motivated to work on this project, or, oh, I had this meeting, I have to go to this meeting again, or I have to travel and get on a plane, and I just don't want to do it. When you start to lose interest in things, and when you start to feel lethargic, and, you know, those are some early signs, or just unhappy. I mean, let's be honest, when you're starting to burn out, you're not loving what you're doing anymore. That's probably affecting other areas of your life, maybe in your relationships, with your family, um, doing things you love, you just don't have the time anymore. I think that those are definitely some of the signs of burnout that I think people really need to pay attention to. And I think within organizations and companies, teams and and managers should pay attention to as well. Because if, you know, there are really tough deadlines and you see that people are answering emails at two in the morning and working around the clock, it's not good for anybody. And sometimes when you're in the thick of it yourself, you don't have that self-awareness to realize what's going on. And sometimes you need somebody from the outside to tell you that. And my husband and I definitely did that for each other, especially during that time. We would kind of say, okay, you are exhausted. You're not happy. You're not making time to do things you enjoy. Like we need to figure this out and make some changes. What were the first changes that y'all made? for yourselves so we definitely started to get very serious about sleep and prioritizing that and again when your children are young as you know margie (laughs) it can be really hard because that's also part of it i mean part of the stress is from your job or your career and other things but a lot of it is that your kids are waking you up in the middle of the night right and kind of some like to your point of those are things kind of out of your controls but that's your life 
Right. So I think, you know, if you are a parent with young children, it's a little bit harder. But, you know, if, if you can try to get the kids on a specific sleep schedule, you and your spouse get on a sleep schedule. It's okay to take naps sometimes if you need it and just figure out how, you know, I always recommend to my clients, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep is what's recommended from a health perspective. And so figuring out how you can create consistency and get that, you know, creating the right sleep environment. There's so many things that we can do to tell our brains like, okay, this is something that we are going to wind down for. We're going to prioritize and you know, make a big, important part of our life. So sleep was one of them. You know, exercise, that's something, again, that each of us always had valued. Um, as much as I had done fitness my whole life, my husband played sports. He used to run, you know, both of us ran a marathon together. Like, we were in our early years before we had kids. We were, like, the <laughs> fittest couple ever. <laughs> and then you get kids, and, and it's hard to fit that in. But we, you know, just kind of had to prioritize whether we had to do it at home or give each other time to go to the gym or whatever it was. That was a big thing. You know, eating healthy was something that I have always valued. I think what it became more of was just eating the leftover scraps from the kids, that type of thing that started to get unhealthy. Yeah. But try to focus on that. And then just the changes in our career setup. So obviously me leaving Google and starting my own company, while that's not exactly an easy feat, um, <laughs> I was able to do it in stages and do it at my own pace. And then he ended up taking a different job within Google that had better work-life balance. Yeah. So I have two questions about that, or I guess I have one question related to that and then a, a separate one. So when you started building Passion Fit, and I know you said you paced yourself, but <laughs> at the same time, I can completely relate to also just wanting to get the business going. Yeah. But you have two young kids. And so when did you work on Passion Fit? Was it um, post bedtime? And like you said, it was it ironic that you were working on a, a company about wellness and, and getting sleep, the importance of sleep. And yet you were, you know, working so hard yeah. um, when you weren't with the kids. Yeah. I mean, it's something, you know, I almost think that uh, passion fit keeps me on track because I take, you know, the content that I create and the advice that I give to my clients wholeheartedly. I take it very seriously and I never, ever want to tell somebody to do something or consult or advise them that I'm not doing myself, right? Absolutely. And so so that's a good thing because it keeps me in check because I have a very strong work ethic yes, and I have do. a lot of ambition and a lot of passion for what I'm doing. And so it's easy, especially as an entrepreneur, to let it seep into all areas of your life, especially because you're kind of working odd hours to begin with because you're working around your kids. And, and it's hard sometimes to create boundaries. And so that's something, to this day, it's something that I'm always having to keep myself in check on. But, you know, I have my non-negotiables. So I think if you build those into your life, then that's just going to be a part of your daily habit so that at least you've got those things, right? So for me, it's okay, I have to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And mm -hmm. To be totally honest, even though I do that and aim for that, there are those times where I still wake up in the middle of the night because I know that I'm stressed about something. So I, even though I fall asleep and try to aim for that seven or eight <laughs> hours, it's like if I'm waking up at 3 a.m. and I'm thinking about a deadline or something I need to get done, and then I lose an hour or two because mm -hmm. I'm my mind is racing, then that tells me, okay, you're stressed. So mm -hmm. you need to now focus on your mindfulness and you need to write down what it is that's stressing you out and keeping you up at night so that you can 
can deal with that. Sorry to interrupt. So like, let's say you wake up at 3am. Yes, you have all these thoughts going on. Do you mm-hmm. do you have a journal next to you that you kind of write this down to kind of put it away and <laughs> yes. go back to sleep? Okay. Yeah. So writing it down definitely helps because then you can sort of put it in a nice box where you're like, okay, I'm going to be holding myself accountable for this, but I just can't get to it right now because I need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I just kind of, you know, try to practice some breathing exercises mm-hmm. and just try to calm my mind and just tell myself like, you can deal with this tomorrow tomorrow, you know, and it's hard. Sometimes it can be hard. Um, It's not, this doesn't happen all the time, but I know myself very well. And I always know it's when I'm in a more stressful time in my life. Right. So that's a non-negotiable though, to at least aim for that seven to eight hours Um, exercise clearly. And because I teach fitness and dance classes five days a week, it's sort of built in. But (laughs) even with that, I try to give myself at least one rest day and then one day a week where I can do something that's not teaching others, but that's just for me whether that's yoga or going for a run or something like that. So that's a non-negotiable. What else? But just a nutrition plan and making sure that I'm getting fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lean proteins every day, that I'm hydrating and drinking lots of water, you know, that type of thing. Which I think a lot of us often forget. Exactly. We do. We often forget. What else? Mindfulness. So every morning I listen to a guided meditation and I always know that that sets my day on the right track. Um, I have an intention, I'm more centered, I'm more calm. And so that's something that I always do. What else? My phone, that's a big one, is I now, I don't plug it in at night on my nightstand. I take it outside my room so that I give myself time to unwind at night before going to bed. And then when I wake up, I don't want that to be the very first thing that I look at. So I want to be able to hug my kids in the morning and start helping them get ready, get myself ready, you know, do my mindfulness exercises. And I kind of try to wait until I've got breakfast on the table to then check some emails, you know, before I go teach my classes and settle into my workday. So yeah, I would say that there are those things that I do every day so that even if I'm stressed, even if life is chaotic, even if I'm kind of working around my kids and I feel like I'm working all the time, as long as I have those boundaries built in, then I'm okay. With being a a parent during this time, and I'm I'm not there yet in terms of their ages, your sons are entering middle school or are in middle school. How do you as a parent talk to them about, and maybe it's not necessarily burnout, but that, you know, they're coming to you with this excitement that, you know, they're at a new school and they have all these classes, but then there's like these leagues that they want to be a part of and, you know, this soccer and all these other extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about this before with uh, one of your sons who came to you with a schedule and said like, yeah. I think that I can do this. And so um, what advice, I guess, would you give to yourself um, in that situation and then also to your kids about um, maintaining or at least trying to shoot for, like you said, for the the sleep, seven to eight hours of sleep. And we always wind down, let's say around eight, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning, you know, you were talking about the article I wrote about change being the only constant in motherhood. And so with our younger one, he's still in elementary school, he's in third grade, but with our older one now in middle school, we're going through change this year, more homework, you know, he's wanting more independence. There are more activities and electives at school and things that he wants to do. And so, you know, 
as a parent, what I try and my husband try to do is, you know, let's listen to our child and see what are the things that he's naturally really excited about, interested in and passionate about. You know, for both of our boys, they're into basketball, they're into soccer, and those are things that they love to do. Like even in their free time, they'll have played a game and had practice and then they'll come home and then they'll play more soccer and more basketball. <laughs> You're like, how do I get this energy? Gee, Can out. you bottle this? <laughs> exactly. They just, they have a lot of energy. And so it's figuring out, okay, what can we realistically do? Like, let's look at your schedule with, okay, you're in school from this time to this time. And then you know you're getting, by middle school, my older son is getting usually up to two hours of homework a night, sometimes more, sometimes less, but multiple tests within a week. And, you know, and he's a very studious kid, which I love. And we've definitely are raising our kids to remember that academics and school comes first. And then, yes, we want you to excel at sports, but not at the expense of your health or or your, you know, your well-being. And so it's, it's not easy. I'll be honest. We're still grappling with it and figuring it out because what we find is a lot of kids play club sports and then there's also the school teams. And a lot of times if you're playing more than one sport, they overlap with one another, which is what we're in the middle of right now. And then there's all the school academics and then there's school activities and events. So, you know, I talk a lot to my kids about burnout. I think just because this is what I do for a living. And so I, you know, in my mind, why not? educate them about all these different wellness tools and tips so that they can grow up with it as children and take that with them into adulthood. So hopefully they don't get to that state of burnout, you know? And so we talk about it and we talk about, okay, what are the must-haves? What are the nice-to-haves? And what are some things that we might need to take out because our priorities are X, Y, and Z? And by the way, you need to get to bed because you need <laughs> 9 to 10 to 11 hours of sleep because you're growing. And let's do a, a meditation app for kids before bedtime because... You know, I can tell that you were stressed because you have a math test tomorrow or you've got a basketball tournament this weekend. So let's do what we need to do to get you to calm down, you know. And I know that every kid is uh, different, but are your yeah. kids pretty receptive to that? Because it seems like you started also at a younger age because I know that your kids are three years apart, but it seems like your younger one is hearing this, right? He, he yes. has not entered middle school yet, but he's hearing this from a young age. And so it just becomes just natural, right? It's yes. a part of his life. Absolutely. And that's kind of how I find that we do end up parenting the boys. And I don't know if it's because we have two boys and with very similar interests. And, you know, so they go through similar life stages, just three years apart. <laughs> so yeah, when I'm educating my older son, I have my little one right there with like, he's part of the conversation. That's great. And I talk to him about it too. Like, this is how it applies to you in third grade. But when you get to seventh grade, like your brother, these are things that you should think, you know, we'll be working on with you too. Yeah. And they're very open to it. I mean, there are those moments where I'll even quiz them like, okay, so if you're stressed, tell mommy what are five things you can do? And they'll be like, exercise or play sports, you know, eat a healthy dinner, go to bed. So sometimes they get annoyed with me, but they know that my heart's in the right place right. and they know that it's going to be for their best interest. And it's great to see that they take it to heart and they, you know, and it's funny when I see them tell their friends these things. <laughs> I'm like their little health advocates yeah. for their peers, which makes me really proud. I think that's so fantastic. I mean, you're the leaders of tomorrow, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's <hope>. what, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I mean, if they can share that with 
their peers and their peers can share that with others or even their parents, right? right. <laughs> that would be helpful for everyone. I had taken your passion fit class uh, last weekend and even after class, you know, you had mentioned that today is a divide and conquer day <laughs> because we have two different soccer games in two completely different places. And you had mentioned also that you and your husband try to be at every single game that you can and together, not just one parent being there, but both parents being there. So on those really tough days where you can't show up and your sons can't look up to see what your reaction will be to a goal that they had or what school activity they're doing. What is your experience with that? And what advice would you have for every parent who feels guilt? And also on the flip side, guilt for something that is a really important work commitment that you wanted to do because you're maybe committed to doing carpool that day. How do you manage guilt in your family? And um, what advice would you have for parents who feel guilt? Yeah, it's a great question. I think guilt is something that we all feel. And what I've tried to tell myself and what I've learned over the years is that it just actually takes more energy away from you, right? It's not a productive emotion or feeling to have, but at the same time, we're human and so it's going to happen. So what I've tried to do to make peace with that that guilt that always <laughs> seems to creep up in different times is, you know, if one of us can't be at a school event or a sporting event, which is hard because both my husband and I really, we truly love being there. We enjoy it. And I think our kids have become accustomed to having both mommy and daddy there or at least one of us there. And so what we usually try to do is if one parent can't be at one of the children's events, we go and have a, have a little talk with that child and just say, you know what, mommy can't be at your game today because I'm teaching a class or I have to go to a work conference or I'm taking one to, you know, one sport, my husband's taking the other. So just letting them know, but I'm going to be cheering you on. I'm going to be there in spirit. I love you. And, you know, sometimes I give them like a little, I love to collect in um, intention stones. I have a huge collection of them with different words like strength and faith and and purpose and passion and whatnot. Yeah. So sometimes I'll give them the little strength stone and say, okay, I'm giving you this. So remember this from mommy. And, you know, my husband and I are really good about texting each other for updates. So if one is at one game and the other's like, how's he doing? How's he doing? And we give each other updates and then we'll call each other from the car if we're in two different locations to update each other on each game. And so then the kids still feel like we're a part of it and we're there. I think the other thing that my kids have been able to see is, you know, the differences. They were young, but they still remember when I was working, you know, in corporate America versus having my own company, I have much more flexibility to be there for these things. And I did when I worked, I made it a point. I was usually very open with my management team about I need to leave for this event or that event. And, and I got pretty good at as much as I felt guilty, it was too important for me to miss. So I figured out ways to make it as much as I could. But then you felt guilty on the work front with the rest of your team. You always felt awkward for leaving in the middle of the day to go to something at school. Whereas I think now I'm my own boss. I work for myself so I can freely do these things. So I think my kids see that difference and they appreciate that. And if there ever is a case where I can't be there, they know, okay, this must be something that mommy really couldn't move or change. And it must be something that's really important for her to miss this event. And now that they're nine and 12, I think they're very understanding. And yeah, we've kind of just found a way to make it work, but it's not always easy. But I think everybody in our family understands that we all have good intentions. 
I think that that's uh, great advice and I will definitely take it when my time <laughs> yes. uh, to go we'll to chat. all these, yes, all these, uh, my husband plays soccer. So I can only imagine what that will be like, you know, and we're also a very close knit family. And so, um, and his parents also showed up to, um, yeah. tried to show up to every single game. And, and my mother-in-law also had her own business at the time. So very yeah. similar paths. You speak so clearly and you're very confident when you do speak and part of your long list of things that you are amazing at is communicating helpful information. Is that something that you were natural at, you were passionate about since you were little? And then if not, what did you do to work on being able to speak that confidently and just kind of have that natural relatability to people? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> communication is something that I have always really valued and I think I've enjoyed. I've, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always enjoyed speaking um, since I was little. And so in college and in graduate school, you know, definitely took a lot of writing classes and all of that kind of stuff. But the funny and ironic thing about the speaking is that what gave me me the ability to speak to groups and audiences pretty easily is the fact that when I was teaching fitness classes as a freshman in college and I taught all throughout my four years, the classes were 250 students at a time. And I was teaching classes three times a week. And so whether I wanted to or not, I had to get very comfortable with speaking in front of a large group. And so just because I loved fitness and, you know, I, I just wanted to teach some classes for fun and I never imagined that they would grow to be as big as they were, but that was just a regular part of my daily life. And, and I got to meet, you know, a lot of students and, you know, a lot of the girls that would come take my classes became really good friends and people that I knew from campus. And, um, so that experience is, you know, what honestly gave me the ability to do it and the ability to get more and more comfortable with it. And then what was really interesting is then it parlayed into my business life because then being in marketing and sales and business development, I had to present to clients all the time and you start presenting at conferences and things like that and and I enjoy it I enjoy my way of reaching people and impacting people is through communication and it's always been that way you know it's funny my parents joke when I was little because I started talking at six months old <laughs> I have a brother who's ten and a half months older so we're almost like twins we're the two of the four kids in our family the two younger ones and so because we were kind of raised like twins we'd be sitting in the back seat of the car and all of a sudden they heard a little baby talking and they thought it was him and then they realized it was me <laughs> and so I just I enjoy people I'm an extrovert at heart it's just something that I, I really truly value and enjoy yeah. but I think you know if you believe in your message and you believe in what you're doing that's going to come across um, and I think the more you do it the more natural and easy it becomes in terms of your writing you produce a lot of content which is fantastic and inspirational. And as someone who is currently also trying to produce a lot of content, I'm curious as to if you have like a certain time of the day that maybe your ideas come to you a little bit more easily. And then also what that process looks like for you in terms of like, let's say your ideas do come in the quiet of the morning before the kids wake up. Just are you able to write until 
you, you feel you can't write anymore? Or do you kind of limit yourself like I'll do 300 words today and then I'll come back to you? And what does that process look like from idea mm-hmm. to execution and then publishing that yeah. content? Um, I mean, I think writing, kind of like speaking, it's something that I naturally enjoy because I'm a communicative person and I need an outlet <laughs> for all the ideas and thoughts and feelings that I have. My mom always jokes, she's like, of my four kids, you know, with Rena, I never have to wonder what she's thinking or feeling because she's going to tell me <laughs> whether I want to hear it or not. She's going to tell me. Yeah. So I think with writing, it's something that, you know, the inspiration comes at different time. You know, sometimes it is in the morning. Sometimes it's when I listen to music. I actually think music really helps inspire me a lot. Sometimes it's when I'm with my kids, like driving in the car and driving them to their sports activities. So it comes at different points in time. And so I always try to, you know, have a little journal or a little, you know, idea area where I just jot them down. And then I'm able to elaborate and expand on those ideas um, a little bit later. And it's something I do every week, you know, more often when I can, you know, I try to build in time in my calendar to do it in between meetings and calls. But sometimes I just need to sit down. And what I find for me is that once I start, starting is the hardest part. Once you start, for me, then things just flow. And then I just, I keep going. And, and if I sort of hit a point where I'm stuck, I walk away from it and I come back and then ideas continue to flow. That was my next question. Like, what do you do with writer's block? And so you step away. Yeah. Because sometimes you need to live life to get inspired, right? That's true. So can you tell me about the first time that you felt the feeling of success? Whether that's uh, something personal or something in your professional Yeah, I think what comes to my mind with that, and it's funny because in some ways it was a foreshadowing of things to come. When my husband and I were getting married, so we were in the process of moving from San Francisco to Boston because on our second date, he told me that his dream was to go to MIT for business school someday. And in my mind, I thought, okay, so... We live in California. I really like this guy. So if this ends up getting more serious, do I have to move to Boston? And what would that look like? So I always knew that, you know, if we did end up getting married and if we were to move to Boston, so Reebok, the company is actually headquartered there. And I've always, you know, over the years, I've been a big fan of Reebok fitness products because I was so into the fitness world my whole adult life. And so I didn't know anybody that worked for Reebok, but I thought my dream would be if we end up moving to Boston, if he gets an MIT we get married. This was not on the second date. This was obviously when we were, (laughs) I didn't go, I didn't get that far ahead of myself. (laughs) But this, this was when we were getting engaged and sort of planning our future. I thought, you know, I want to try to apply for a job at Reebok someday. And so, like I said, I didn't know anybody that worked there. And so I just started doing my research and I figured out who the chief marketing officer was just from an article that I read. Didn't know his email, but then just did some more research, like looked on LinkedIn, I think was just coming out at the time and took a chance and sent him an email and said, you know, I'm, you know, potentially going to be moving to the Boston area. You know, I love the Reebok brand. I have a background in marketing. Here's my resume. I would love for the opportunity to just learn from you and maybe have an informational discussion about the company and, you know, potential opportunities that are available. I mean, I was, you know, in my mid twenties at the time, only a couple of years of work experience, only a few years out of college, had no idea if he would write me back, but I took a chance, um, sent the email and he wrote me back in an hour. 
And I was just floored. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, he wrote me back. And he said, you know, thank you for your email. You know, your background looks really great. And I would be happy to, to talk to you when you're in town. So feel free to send me some dates and we'll, we'll set up a meeting. Well, then what ended up happening was he was out of the country for work when I wrote him back a few days later with some dates. And so then I wrote to him, didn't hear back. So I thought, oh man, I don't think, you know, he's going to write me back. What am I going to do? Because we were only going to be there for a certain window of time to look for places to live because this was right as we were getting married and moving across the country. So then I called and I got his administrative assistant who answered. And so I just was very honest and I just explained, you know, I had emailed him. I'm really interested in some marketing opportunities with the company. He said that he would be willing to meet with me, um, but I haven't heard back from him and I'm going to be traveling there in a few days. And so I'm wondering how I can set up this meeting. And she was great. And she's the one who put me in his calendar and took care of setting up the meeting. And so then I went to Boston and um, went for the meeting and he remembered my email, but he didn't quite understand how I got on his calendar. <laughs> so he's like, so how did this meeting get set up? And I said, oh, well, you, I think you were out of the country and I talked to your administrative assistant and she put me in your calendar and I'm so grateful for your time. And, and so long story short, we went through the interview and it went very well. And then he recommended that, that I speak an interview with, I think like six to eight other people in oh. marketing and HR and in different parts of the company. But lo and behold, I got the job as a global interactive marketing manager for Reebok. And um, it was so exciting. And it was at the time, it was my dream job. I mean, here I was getting married to the love of my life. We were moving to an exciting new city. He got into MIT, which was his dream. I got into um, working for Reebok. And then I ended up going to graduate school part-time at Boston University while I was working full-time. And Reebok actually paid my tuition, which was great for my graduate school. So it was an exciting time. And I think what that experience really helped me realize is be bold. Don't be afraid. Take chances. You know, like you, all that can happen is, you know, fine. You get rejected. Who cares? Right. You know, like what's the worst thing? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've really stayed true to that since then. And it also for me was a foreshadowing of, wow, I can actually use my digital marketing and advertising and sales experience and combine that with fitness and wellness. And this is so fulfilling. So that whole experience just really allowed me to see that, you know, it was my first taste of being able to take my business and marketing and digital media experience and apply it to um, an area that I'm very passionate about, like health and fitness. And so that that job and that experience working for Reebok really did inspire me, which later then did translate into me being able to combine those two sets of skills into launching PassionFit. And your message at the end about, you know, being bold and you don't have anything to lose if you send someone an email. That actually is a great uh, spot to kind of wrap up what advice you would have for moms who are currently building something or wanting to build something. Do you have any tips or advice that you'd like to give them? Yeah. The first one that comes to mind is the tagline for Passion Fit, which is pursue your passions, be fit, and the rest will follow. I wholeheartedly believe in it. I live it every day. I think for the moms who do want to build something, find something that really speaks to you and that you are passionate about because that's going to get you through those tough times because there will inevitably be hard days when you're building something of your own. But when you really believe in what you're doing and you have that passion, that, that'll take you to heights that you could have never imagined. I also think being fit, you know, I don't just mean that in the physical sense of being fit 
from a fitness perspective, but mentally and physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, what are the things that allow you to be your best self and bring your whole self into what you're doing? And then if you have those things in place, then the rest will follow. I truly believe that. And then the last piece of advice that I would give to moms is just remember to stay true to yourselves, you know, be authentic, you know, don't lose sight of your core beliefs and your core values and what makes you unique in you, because we all have something to offer um, in this world. And I think the more we can tap into the things that make us unique, the more the world can benefit from all the things that we can build. Thank you, Rena. Um, you've given me a lot to think about, a lot to act on. And I think just your overall message of empowering each other to be the best selves that we can be is such a important thing to have in our lives. I'll have links to the articles that you've written or ones that you recommend, even that um, kid meditation oh, yeah. app. I think that would be helpful to a lot of people. I so admire you and your work ethic and the authenticity that you bring to everything that you do, whether that's through passion fit or parenthood <laughs> and just being a really supportive friend who's always open to helping others and thank you for sharing your stories about yourself and your journey of building passion fit can't wait to see what you'll <laughs> build next and uh, thank you thank you very much for our talk today of course thank you for having me margie and i'm so proud of you and excited for all that you're going to be doing with moms who build and i'm just grateful to be a guest on your show and i've really loved talking to you and look forward to more chats in the future absolutely thanks thank rena thank you Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find today's episode, how to connect with Rena Vacone of PassionFit, and more interviews with inspirational moms building inspirational things on momswhobuild.com. If you have any questions, comments, or recommendations on someone you would like to see featured on Moms Who Build, you can reach me directly at margie at momswhobuild.com. That's M-A-R-G-I-E at momswhobuild.com. Until next time, keep building what brings you joy.